Welcome back, listeners, to Willing to Conspire. I'm Ben. And I'm Kid. And this is Willing to Conspire. Been a while. It has. It has. We said that we'd be coming back in a month, and we did not do that. Better late than ever, I suppose. Yeah, we've, well, we've we'll, tried. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no promises. I suppose the longer the wait, the sweeter the The sweeter the nectar. Something like the sweeter that, yeah. the honey. We can, I mean, if it's not already a saying, we can invent it. True. Just coined it. Yeah. Well put done. it out into the zeitgeist. <laughs> Thank you. Within weeks, it'll be on all the memes and on all, all the memes. All the memes. You're showing your you're showing your age, kid. <laughs> on all those memes. The memes. <laughs> Anything you want to talk about before we get right into the the meat of the episode? Well, it says on the running schedule we're supposed to have sick bands. Sick bands, yeah. So I did schedule that one in. So what are the sick bands you propose we we do? Oh man, uh, you put me on the spot there, kid. What you know something about. Trump, something about hacks, mix that all together with, is Iggy Azalea still topical nowadays? I don't know. I think she is. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> Not the person to ask. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Well, just the I'm listeners. more into Scandinavian hip-hop than Australians thinking they're American. Wait, what? Iggy Azalea is a white Australian. Correct, yes. And she thinks she's not. And she thinks she's a white... Oh, she no, thinks she's, she's a black American. Uh, yeah, 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 so... I'd... And what was this about Scandinavians? I prefer Scandinavians thinking they're Australians doing hip-hop. Okay, cool. Yeah, which is very niche. <laughs> <laughs> well, each to their own. Yeah. Well, enough of that first class um, bands Bishop there. of Banterbury. Yeah. Little bands. <laughs> um, and on with the podcast... Center and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. There is a major incident in Lower Manhattan. We just got a report in that there's been some sort of explosion at the World Trade Center in New York City. Another plane has just hit. Oh, another one just hit. Uh, today we've had a national tragedy. Uh, two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I don't want to alarm anybody right now, but apparently there was an explosion of some kind here at the Pentagon. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. ...by the Secret Service to run. I'm in front of the Capitol, and a moment ago, police officers ran up to us and told us, and I quote, there is a plane that has been hijacked and is headed this way. That is about as frightening a scene as you will ever see. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. One has to assume that thousands of lives have been extinguished. May uh, God help those who are there and the victims and their families. This week we will be covering 9-11 Truth, talking about the September 11 attacks in 2001 and the evidence that suggests that this was potentially an inside job. And this is one of the more interesting sort of conspiracies that, you know, it's something that we can, we all remember uh, watching on TV. I don't know if you, uh, I was coming home from school that day and, and my father said, turn on the TV. And I remember watching the the second thinking, oh, there's a plane on the screen, doesn't know what's going on mm. and flying into the building. And it was, it was pretty frightening. I think all of us have some sort of story where we remember, mm. where we remember where we were when those attacks happened. Mm. Yeah, I was in my grandmother's house in England and nothing particularly exciting around it but i just remember exactly the time coming downstairs i must have we must have been what six and seven i was in year was it 2001 we we, we kind of been more than i was 10 i was was eight you were 10 yeah yeah and just to remember something like that i mean it has changed the world 
Yeah. In a very significant way. You know, you look at the, the situation in the Middle East and you could easily draw a pretty direct line between what's happening now in mm. Syria to, to what happened in, in New York in 2001. Mm. Okay, and so if we just get into it, first of all, we've decided we're more just going to talk about the actual events themselves and the evidence that's presented by people who think there's some sort of conspiracy involved rather than delving too deeply into what motivations the government and other interest groups might Illuminati. have <laughs> like the Illuminati <laughs> might have in causing 9-11 just because I think you can go back and forth all day arguing about whether someone really would want that to happen but I think it's more interesting to talk about specific evidence yeah I agree we could do a whole nother episode on on why various other agents might have had reasons to wanting to to perpetrate these attacks mm. And, and we could do that another time, but right now we've just got to focus on what these conspiracies yeah. are. Okay, good. So give us the rundown of uh, what exactly happened on that fateful day. Around 8.46 in the morning of September the 11th, 2001, Mohammed Atta and other hijackers boarded American Airlines Flight 11 and they crashed that plane into between floors 93 to 99 of the North Tower of the World Trade Center. This kills everyone on the plane and hundreds of people inside those six floors of the building. Fifteen minutes later, the second flight, which is United Airlines Flight 175, crashes into floors 75 to 85 of the South Tower, again killing everyone on board as well as people in those floors of the building. Around 30 minutes later, the hijackers aboard Flight 77, which was also United Airlines Flight, crashes into the western facade of the Pentagon, which is in Washington, D.C. That kills 59 people on the plane and around 125 people inside the Pentagon, which is the large uh, U.S. military building, their major... Intelligence center? I don't think it's intelligence. I think it's just their administration building. About an hour and 15 minutes after the planes fly into the building, the South Tower collapses which is actually the second tower hit, but the first tower to go down. Then before the next building goes down, United Airlines Flight 93 crashes into a field in in Pennsylvania. And the theory is that this plane was heading for the White House, but the passengers on board the flight fought back against the terrorists and crashed the plane into a field, killing everyone on board. And there's a bunch of documentaries, including a film called United 93 that you can watch about this. And it's really sensational story i mean to think that if this plane was headed for the white house or or the capitol building even though it would maybe wouldn't have killed as many people as the trade centers imagine uh, how much more it would have been a huge psychological victory mm. for the the people that wanted to perpetrate this mm. at ten twenty eight, the north tower collapses then 5 p.m on that day the 47 story world building seven the world trade center seven building collapses. This is an important point because I know when recently I was told that there was another building that collapsed in that World Trade Center district, I actually had no knowledge of this. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not a very spoken about mm. story and you know this is this is one of the conspiracies is why it's not spoken about. Mm. And and this was just a building a few feet away from the World Trade Centers and yet yeah, it wasn't hit by a building but it, it collapsed as a result on the, the attacks on the other two buildings. And that's that's the mainstream and that's yeah. what the report said. Yeah. So yeah, this is the mainstream theory. It was Al Qaeda terrorists from Saudi Arabia, I think were the where the majority of the terrorists were from, and they hated America and wanted to attack America. So there's a few broad categories of approaches people have to conspiracy theories around the World Trade Centers collapsing. One is that the government let it happen on purpose. 
so that there's evidence that key individuals deliberately ignored foreknowledge of the attacks so that they could weaken the United States. Another one is that they made it happen on purpose, that they were actually behind and instigated the attacks. And, and just allowed it to happen. And, and didn't... also allowed it to happen, yep. And there's other approaches which simply demonstrate that the government accounts of events are wrong. And so people point to that and say there's some kind of cover-up going on here. So getting on to the first theory, just about the, the main two towers. The first and probably most important theory is that the way the towers collapsed seems to indicate that it was the result of a controlled demolition. So there was some sort of explosives already inside the towers that actually caused them to collapse and that the jets flying into them themselves would not have been able to do that. Now, there's a few different points. And I think it's not essential that you go online and look at videos of this. But if you do have a bit of a chance, now might be a good time to pause it. Go and look at some videos of the towers collapsing. Um, look at some other videos of just controlled demolitions of buildings if you can. And then also just to help maybe look at a blueprint of the World Trade Center sort of district um, just so it's, it might be a bit easier to visualize. But it's not essential if you're... You know, we, we'll also post some pictures up on our Facebook so you can see these more easy. Yeah, yeah, it'll get right onto that. Okay, so the first point that they make is that a collapse due to loss of structural integrity, which is how it should collapse if it's due to the plane crashing into it, would be much slower. The speed at which the tower fell is so, much more consistent with explosives undermining the structure and completely wiping out the structural support. So you mean the actual speed of the collapse, not mm. the time it took from the planes to hit the building for it to fall? Yes. Uh, so, so, yeah, so once it starts falling, yeah. the speed at which it falls is too fast. Okay. If it was a structural demolition on multiple levels, that means that the structural support goes away almost instantly, and then you can get this almost free fall that we see from the towers. Whereas if it's just a weakening and gradual reduction of structural integrity from the crash, it should be more gradual. And I haven't, I don't remember the statistics, but the speed of the fall does actually get quite close to a free fall, you know, as though there was no resistance whatsoever, which is quite impressive. I yeah. mean, that's, that's quite fast. The other point is that the direction in which the towers fall is almost straight down so it seems to fall right into its own footprint it, impl it implodes it falls it collapses into itself yeah rather than you know leaning to the side especially because the jet hit it at one side should it not either move I i'm you know we're not engineers and no. we'll, we'll emphasize that point throughout the podcast but shouldn't it move to one side um that's another point um there seem to be a few flashes coming out of windows around the time and leading up to the time when it crashes. Which looks like a mimics that of a controlled explosion. Yeah, and so that could be, you know, annex just the, the explosions going off. And those are the sort of three main points behind the controlled demolition theory. Going on, there seems to be evidence to suggest that a substance called thermite was used to bring down the towers, so specifically on the controlled demolition point. So thermite is a pyrotechnic composition of metal powder that, when ignited by heat undergoes an exothermic reaction so it gives off heat and it gives off heat in at such high levels that it's able to melt through steel the reason people think this is true is because there seems to be evidence of melted steel the temperature at which you need to melt steel is extremely high it's about 1500 degrees celsius or 2800 degrees fahrenheit and conspiracy theorists point to the fact that fires created from the jet fuel from the planes and from burning stuff in the towers could not possibly have reached that higher temperature. And so there must have been... So there could only be melted steel 
if there was thermite, if there was if there was thermite, yeah. So the evidence of melted steel is that in the video itself of the towers before it's crashing, there seems to be some glowing substance almost dripping from the windows. Yeah, and thermite almost looks, you know, those children's sparklers. Yeah, it looks almost like that. even brighter, and that's kind of what that looks like. Yeah. You, you can sort of see at some point sparks coming from the tower. During the cleanup in Ground Zero, which is what the whole area is sort of now called, where the towers uh, fell, there was some pictures taken of what appeared to be melted steel. So again, evidence of something that shouldn't be there given that the temperatures wouldn't have been hot enough. There also was evidence of the composites of thermite being found in the dust that was analysed from the crash so the dust in the surrounding areas and the dust at the site there are some yeah. independent what exactly is thermite made from i'm glad you asked it thermite is made from aluminium oxide yep and elemental iron so just iron on its own those are the two main components and analysis of this done by some independent scientists has showed that in the debris and the dust from the crash there were these components found in at levels that you wouldn't expect. Then no one will deny that there would have been these elements there just by the fact that this is a building made out of steel. Mm, that's and, a good and point. Iron. Yeah. And when I get onto some of the rebuttals, that's something that yeah. we'll talk about. They're not the rarest elements. It's not like it's specific to thermite, yeah. but, but we'll cover that. Finally, there's suggestions that a plane crashing into these skyscrapers just is not enough of a force to bring down these structures that have had that almost in some cases are planned for this kind of thing. They're supposedly yeah. planned. So people point to something that happened in 1945, which is that a B-25 bomber crashed into the 80th floor of the Empire State Building and b- the building didn't crash. Yeah. You know, that was controlled quite easily. And so this is another point. And, and people say that there's some engineers in the building that have specifically said before the events that a commercial airline flying into this couldn't take it down. It's designed to withhold, withstand one crash. Uh, and they both only had one plane crash into them. And not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, are there any... Before I go into sort of what I've uh, yeah. researched, is there anything there that stands out to you? So, we'll make repeatedly a point of neither of us have a background in engineering. And I'm relying on the knowledge of other engineers to kind of prove that this wasn't a conspiracy. Mm. So, I, I, I trust authority figures. I trust what specialists say. And if they say something, then then I'm I don't have the knowledge to question. Mm. And there's a few engineers that say that something dodgy went on, and and these things are impossible. I think at the end of the day, just like the moon landing, you'd need a lot of people to keep very quiet. Yeah. So so just just on that first point, that was a problem I had with it as well. Is that the footage is there for everyone to yeah. see? The footage but of we, the towers coming down. And we've said we've seen it. We uh, I watched it. I remember yeah. watching it live. So, and it's, literally. Not literally, but practically the whole world, the vast majority of qualified engineers and architects saw the buildings crash. Now, there is an organization called Architects and Engineers for a 9-11 Truth. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and they have petitions where they get you to sign up with your credentials. And they have a list of, they say, 2,870 architects and engineers have signed their petition saying that the evidence suggests that this was a controlled demolition or that there was foul play involved. It wasn't just the jets and that couldn't happen. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not 10 engineers. It's not 100 engineers. No. It's almost 3,000 architects and engineers. But there's, there's millions of these people around the world and everyone, and I'm not saying they, should be, they would be able to get every one of them to sign it, but if it was so obvious, so clear that it You'd have... was, that that's exactly, the only way you can do that is a controlled demolition, 
you'd think everyone yeah. in those fields would be saying that. Yeah. There shouldn't be any debate about it. I mean, this it just shouldn't be that complicated. No. And there was another thing where I, uh, the, the CEOs, like the founders of the website, all had very... And this is the people at the head of it. All had very unimpressive credentials. No, no, no one was. A lot of them are either made up or no, 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 not, not, not made was, up, but but undergraduate sort of. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and not... so of the four people listed as sort of the head of this movement, one was had an architecture undergraduate degree. Um, another one had worked with explosives in the navy. Another one had a civil engineering degree. One had a science degree. And I'm like, these are the people that are heading your organization. Like. There are thousands and thousands of structural engineers, PhDs, with and, PhDs and civil engineers. Yeah. It's like you don't you don't have one of them at the head of your organization, yeah. like because you're right. I can look at it and say, yeah, that that does look sort of like what those videos of of a controlled demolition look like. But I've not seen a whole hell of a lot of planes fly into buildings no. either. I don't know how those tend to crash. No. Talking of planes flying into buildings, a lot of what happened on the day is unprecedented. Mm. So, yeah, a building has never collapsed as a result of a plane hitting it before. But that just means there's not been very many buildings that planes have hit. I, not... I actually actually think that's not true. I think there maybe are some cases of this happening, but certainly not on this scale. No, no. Yeah, you have incidences of it happening, mm. but nothing... The sample s- size, at the very best, is tiny. <laughs> yeah. And this is large buildings and evidence of them not being built as well as they should have been built in the first place. Mm. Okay, going on to sort of the second thing you said, of which we seem to say in every podcast, is the number of people that need to be involved in this. So you can talk about, I mean, you talk about like the CIA and all these intelligence organizations, and I'm sure they do have a lot of tools at their disposal, but the amount of stealth that would need to go into implanting these explosives (laughs) into the buildings enough to bring it down is enormous. In general, uh, what I've read is that just general planned implosions, so these controlled demolitions, require months of preparation, including often tearing apart walls to place Drill, the charges. Drilling into uh, beams and, yeah, and support. Take, taking out materials from the building during that process and intentionally damaging support columns that are already there so that it will reliably collapse. I mean, again, I've not a, I'm not a demolition expert, no. But this seems like the kind of thing that it would be extremely hard, especially with such a huge building, to do undercover when there's with thousands people, of people working there every single day. What's it? 110 day. floors of, of right. hundreds of, bu- of hundreds of mm. businesses and offices, yeah. thousands of people, all ignoring extreme construction work yeah. going on and no one questioning what's happening. Mm-hmm. The other point I had is that in terms of like people being prepared for this, there was a bombing in the World Trade Center in 1993 where a truck bomb below the tower was detonated. It killed six people and it injured over a thousand. I I assume those are mostly minor injuries. But I've read that this led to increased security at the World Trade Center, including regular checks from bomb squads and sniffer dogs. Now, to be honest, the place I read this didn't give a citation for it, so I wouldn't be willing to bet my house on it. But the bombing did happen. And I would believe that there had been increased security than what maybe you might expect in just your normal buildings. Yeah. Two very iconic buildings in mm. the most iconic city in the world against, you know, a nation that not very many people like. Right. It's, it's a target. Right. There would be security. Okay, moving on to thermite. One of the difficulties of thermite being used to weaken and the structural supports and use in a controlled demolition is that it's pretty tricky to get thermite to cut horizontally. So that's what you need to do to weaken the structural supports you'd really you want to cut across them yeah you know so it's kind of like you you light the powder and it sort of fizzles and burns 
down straight through steel. Okay, because gravity wants it to go in that direction. And like when it's eaten into the bit it's focused on, it then keeps going down. Yeah. Now, you can go on YouTube and find these homemade devices where they're able to make it cut horizontally. They sort of look like quite complicated contraptions. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just another level of difficulty that if you're saying, well, clearly they use thermite, it's like, well, it really would have been quite difficult to do that. And on top of that, the amount of thermite would have been absolutely huge. Yeah. In order for a thermite reaction to melt steel to take place, there has to be materials. If you look at the amount needed, at least 100 pounds for one column. You need someone to get that amount in the building and place it and for the reaction to take place. That's so 100 pounds for a single column. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what, 40 kilos or 45 yeah, kilos. It's... Okay. There's a theory as well as the there being the thermite placed in the paint that was used to paint You the mean walls, the components? The components of thermite in, in the paint. Yeah, so those are found in primer paint. Uh, and they're also found in commercial aircraft. Ah, okay. This is another point. So the reports I saw of these independent people who, are, who think that there was foul play going on that analyzed the dust and found components of thermite, they're kind of proving themselves wrong in their own words because you actually wouldn't be finding the components of it you should expect to find a lot more of the products rather than reactants so the things that are in thermite are iron oxide and aluminium okay but when it reacts it becomes aluminium oxide and iron yeah okay you should expect to find way more of the results of the reaction rather than what makes up thermite in the first place and at least in the documentary i watched they said we found loads of the reactants in the dust it's like well, okay. you shouldn't. You should have found the product. And then just one last thing on the on the melted steel. The claims of people having actually found melted steel. So the video itself, it's not that convincing that there's liquid-fired steel coming down um, from the tower. On top of that... Just a genuine question. If the steel didn't melt, what actually caused the towers to collapse? That's a great question, Gid. I think to answer that question, we should maybe ask a structural engineer. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. Do you happen to know one? Yeah. Uh, Hold on a sec. I'll grab him. Okay, so I now have Luke Murray with me, who is a structural engineer and longtime friend of the podcast. Uh, Thank you for coming on, Luke. No worries. Pleasure to be here. All right, so we're hoping that you could give us a bit more of an expert opinion on what happened here. And we've got a few specific questions related to structural engineering and the structure of the towers and of Building 7. So the first question we had was, we were talking about the fact that some people say that there's evidence that there was melted steel in the wreckage of the 9-11 towers and that the heat from the jet fuel wouldn't have been enough to melt steel, so there might have been thermite. That's kind of irrelevant, though. So assuming that there's not any melted steel like the mainstream story says, how exactly could the towers have fallen down if the steel support beams weren't melted? Well, it's one of the more uninformed opinions that steel has to melt before it fails. Jet fuel burns at around 800 degrees Celsius, and at that temperature, steel has a strength at about 20% of what it would have at zero degrees. So I think anyone can understand that if something only has 20% of the capacity for which it's designed for, it's uh, not going to stand up. And that's the case with all steel buildings, which is why they're protected with fire protection systems such as sprinklers and spray-on coatings. Now, the World Trade Center had both, but primarily once a fire starts, you're going to rely on the spray-on coatings. And in the impact, a lot of the spray-on coatings were dislodged, so the steel beams were directly exposed to fire. 
And once they reach a certain temperature, the floors start to sag. And as the floors sag, that starts to pull the columns in. And then as the columns don't have as much capacity as before, particularly because they're hot and they're now not straight anymore, the columns all started to buckle. And this caused a chain reaction because as one column buckled, the next column took more load. And that happened progressively. And that's why it came down so fast. And that actually brings me to the second question I have, which is that a lot of 9-11 truthers say that the speed at which the buildings came down is only consistent with a controlled demolition. If it was just falling due to structural integrity, then it shouldn't have fallen that fast. So if you could just shed a bit more light on why that might have happened. Well, once the first columns started buckling, the structure almost instantaneously has to shed load to the other columns and then these immediately become overloaded. And once this chain reaction is effectively spread across the floor, um, and it happened at a couple of critical floors about two-thirds of the way up the towers, you've got a whole weight, so tens of thousands of tonnes, effectively in freefall, bearing on nothing. And that's why it came down so fast, because you've got tens of thousands of tonnes. And once that generates momentum, it, there's nothing that's going to stop it. So it's just not surprising that it came down that fast? It's not that unusual. Obviously, it was a very rare event, but there's nothing about the physics that suggests that it couldn't have happened. All right. Final question. Some people say that it seems to have, the building seems to have fallen directly into its own footprint, meaning it's fallen directly down. So a lot of people have questions about why didn't it fall to the side, like you might see a tree fall, for example. Why did it fall directly down in the way you might expect a controlled demolition to fall? Well, I've heard that some people ask why it didn't fall in the direction that the planes hit it. As people know, it didn't fall down immediately. So the cause of the, the destruction was not actually the plane impact. It was the subsequent fires that weren't able to be controlled. And because the fires spread across the whole building, it wasn't linked to any one column or any one side of the building. So it was once it started failing in the central core, because um, a building has generally has a central core which does the bulk of the vertical load support. And it was once this central core, which is in the middle of the building, started failing, the steel columns in that, that's when the building started to collapse. So because it, the failure happened in the middle, it effectively did collapse from the middle, and that's why it went straight down. You can see there is actually a slight angle in, in both collapses, and that's that's what you, you would expect, an angle like that, because it's not a, a perfect failure. You might even expect if it was a demolition that all the charges would have gone off at the same time and it would have come down truly straight. Right. Well, thank you very much, Luke, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Luke, for a couple of noobs like, Ben and I, uh, that was really informative and a great listen. Okay, and so just after that, the final point that I made before was the point about the Empire State Building. As in when it was hit in 1945. Yeah, and the fact that it didn't collapse. I think this is this is a relatively straightforward one, and I don't see it being, a, it's not a big component of most people's uh, evidence that they put forward. The Empire State Building itself, being a, a quite a bit older, is structurally quite different. It's a lot heavier. And one of the things that it has built in it is that the joints allow for a lot more movement for sort of wind resistant. And that's in all of the structural joints of the building. Whereas the World Trade Center, their main structural support columns in the center of the building don't resist bending movements due to the wind. It's only the external supports of that building that do that. On top of that, the B-25 bomber is much smaller and was going much slower than the commercial jet that smashed into the buildings. And also people were able to put out the fires 
um, in the in the Empire State Building quite quickly. Okay. Um, and so I. So I it's not that, comparing apples with apples. No, not at all. The next part of the story that we need to look at is the story of Building 7. This was a, a building that was part of the same complex as the World Trade Center, so it's referred to as World Trade Center Building 7. It's not far at all. It was a 47-story building, which makes it taller than the surrounding buildings other than the Trade Centers, which is an important thing. Okay, um, so it's uh, the third tallest tower. Yeah, it was owned by a man called uh, Mr. Silverstein, who was a property developer in New York. And it had offices of businesses, it had offices of the CIA, and it had the offices of Mayor Giuliani in there as well. Not his main offices, but he had some administration. The Mayor of New York. Yeah, the Mayor of New York. So the conspiracy surrounding Building 7 is that the building fell down without being hit by the plane, and it fell down in a very neat manner. So so this is similar to the conspiracies surrounding the the actual trade centres, is the neatness that it fell down. Mm. There's also uh, alleged reports of people hearing explosions taking place in the building, which could be demolitions, and as well as claims by some people saying that the owner of the building wanted it to go down for an insurance claim. It was worth a fortune. The building collapsed, he got a big payout, Mm -hmm. and he had insured it specifically for a terrorist attack. Is that true? No. Uh, Well, okay. Well, I'll I'll let you get (laughs) there, because it sounds juicy. (laughs) So again... These reports of there being explosions, you merely have to find a video yourself on YouTube. It's not silent when something falls and makes a noise, mm. but there's no, there's clearly no explosions. So are the, are the claims of explosions that more or less as it was happening, there were these yes, there was, loud explosions? If you watch a controlled demolition and you hear, okay. you know, bursts, you'll hear yep. an, an explosion sound that you'd yep. hear, you know, sounds like a movie, but there's no evidence. You don't see anything, you don't hear anything, yep. and, and, and it goes down. In regards to the insurance claim, there is a report that when the owner of the building, Mr. Silverstein, was on the phone to the head of the fire department he said just pull it down that's taken completely out of context okay and so he did say that he said it yeah he what he meant was under the the stress of the day and it was later it was clarified immediately later on in the conversation mm-hmm. he meant pull them out pull the the the, pull the people, people out, out. Right. pull the fire department out it's oh, not okay. worth saving okay he wanted people to remain safe yeah and this was verified by various reports it's mm-hmm. it's not some you know Oh, yeah. you know, I didn't really say that. Yeah. To, it, to, to be fair, though, in its if it is taken out of context, it does sound quite suspicious. Yeah, it sounds suspicious, but yeah. it, it's soundbite that's been taken yeah. and played over and over again. And, and the people that want to believe in the conspiracy theory don't bother mm-hmm. looking up the context of how it was said. In regards to there being thermites, it's just impossible for the reasons we discussed earlier. It's too mm-hmm. much. It's impossible. And, the re- and some conspiracy theorists say, that, oh, there was no explosive noises. Because it was drilled deep into the the structure mm. itself, and so at that muffled. point, it's sa- that plane catch up. So, so my understanding of this whole the building seven thing is a plane didn't hit it. No, and so but the have- building, the Southern Trade Center, did hit it though. When it came down, uh, debris, part of debris, debris hit, hit went it directly into fairly it, yeah. hard and causing it, you know, extra damage. And the reason why it fell neatly is. The way it was built, the the middle beams, yeah. the middle support beams, sort of collapsed and it and it imploded sure. rather uh, than exploded. Yeah, and so just and just but just going back to the fact that it wasn't hit by a plane, 
people who think that this was a cover-up or that this was done deliberately start with the fact that planes hitting the building shouldn't have been enough to bring it down. How, how much more so that just debris going into the building that causes fires should somehow bring down another building, another structurally sound 45-story building, and that it was the fires that weakened the supports inside of Building 7 and that fires go off in buildings all the time. And they don't fall down. And more or less destroy the buildings because of, like, they make them uninhabitable. It's not often. You don't see buildings fall down from having fire inside of them. And really, you know, on that point, again, not experts. No. and We don't know. And we have to defer to what the reports say. What the reports say. Again, that's a government report, so you can say what you want about that. But what structural engineers and what demolition experts think when they see footage of building seven and and maybe that's a point where maybe they've got something here in that a lot of people haven't seen footage yeah. of building seven coming down everyone's seen footage of the main towers coming down but not of building seven no and partly you know in regards to why building would collapse because of fire there was very low water pressure in the building meaning there was no water dampening the fires so you know in a you know in a regular building fire there would be sprinklers working these sprinklers okay were not working as a result of there being low pressure due to water being used elsewhere. There was no attempts made by firefighters at all, pretty much, on the building. Unlike in most building uh, fires. Yes. Yeah. And just because it hasn't happened before doesn't mean that it was it couldn't have happened. The standards of engineering have since changed as a result of the right. collapse. So where did you where did you find that? So this was the, the NIST or the, the official um, report made after the events of 9-11. Some other conspiracies surrounding Building 7 was the report for Building 7 came out much later. They cleared the debris straight away. Why, why did you know these things take place? Okay. Yeah. And it was because it wasn't the major building. No one died. There wasn't a rush to, mm. to, to find out what happened to Building 7. They had more pressing issues. Yeah. And yeah, the debris was cleared quickly away because they didn't want debris lying in the middle of Manhattan. Things had to be moved and, and cleared up quickly to make it easier to clear up the other messes. The, the report took longer because the experts were working on other things and it took them a while to get onto Building 7 and they couldn't leave the debris there for four years while they were sorting out right. the... <laughs> right. The, the, is that, is that yeah, how long the, took four years? The, to the report for Building 7 took... No, no, no. They cleaned up straight away, but okay. the report for Building 7 only came out in 2005 mm. and that was because the experts were busy dealing with the, the actual Twin Towers and not right. Building 7. All right, I think that's a really good point for us to go and hear from our sponsor. Our sponsor for this week is Waffle Cone Productions. Longtime friend of the podcast, first time sponsor, which um, we weren't too happy about, but we're happy that he's joined the bandwagon now of the fastest rising podcast uh, in in the universe i'd say and out of the universe too and and beyond yeah and obviously. into the multiverse i think maybe a few parallel dimensions it's not important <laughs> more importantly waffle cone productions is a company who's based in melbourne and specializes in filming and developing audiovisual art so if you have a function a wedding quinceanera bris i don't know anything <laughs> that you you need someone filming he's your go-to guy for our non-Jewish listeners, a bris is a circumcision, and don't be alarmed, mostly these aren't filmed, and if they are filmed, it's not in too much detail. But back to the main point, uh, yep, he's based in Melbourne, will film any of these special occasions for you, 
and develop it into a really outstanding, extremely professional piece of, like we said, audiovisual art. In addition to that, he'll take any existing videos you already have that you've captured yourself, maybe a bunch of family videos. Trips you've taken. Yep, and he will edit that under your under your guidance with any suggestions you might have, any requests, um, again, into a really impressive uh, production that you'll be really proud of. To show your children, your children's ch- children for many future generations to yeah. come. And after them, the aliens that will no doubt have conquered the planet. But at least they'll have something to look to enjoy, at as well. You know, it'll be evidence of humanity's joy in hmm. history. Yeah. So if you want to leave your footprint uh, on humanity uh, with some... Digital f- art. Digital art. Thank you, Gid. Then check on Facebook. It's called Waffle Cone Productions. Or you can find their website. It's waffleconeproductions.com. Back to the show. The final piece of the puzzle of 9-11 is the attack on the Pentagon. Now, not quite as much as the fall of Building 7, but the Pentagon doesn't seem to get as much press as the World Trade Center's falling. I suppose no one watched the attack on the Pentagon take place. Exactly, and that's a central piece of information because there is no footage or there's no good footage of the plane crashing into the Pentagon. So that's the start of the theory, is that there's no conclusive evidence at all that any aircraft actually hit the Pentagon. The only cameras that were pointed towards the impact zone are inconclusive, and you, I encourage you all to go on YouTube and look at this footage yourself. It's a relatively low-quality camera that shows six frames of something moving towards the Pentagon followed by the huge explosion. Additionally, people say that in the photos of the crash zone after the impact, there's no evidence of plane parts. There's no fuselage or luggage. Yeah, and that any any pictures that do seem to clearly show bits of plane clearly look to have been staged by someone intentionally. People say that the damage that you can see that is done to the Pentagon, and there are plenty of pictures of this, is way too small to have been caused by a passenger jet. So they start with the fact that the hole just was not big enough, the hole in the side of the Pentagon. A normal plane, the plane that they said crashed into it, has a wingspan of 125 feet, whereas the hole in the side of the Pentagon was only 75 feet across, and they were able to establish this by the number of first floor support columns that were destroyed or damaged on the impact. And that's something that is the result of the investigation by the government body. So they said it's 75 feet across. Additionally, the hole in the inner ring of the Pentagon, so a lot of it went through, is only 16 feet wide. And that's, like I said, in the Pentagon's middle ring. And just in general, there seems to be evidence that it was a much smaller craft or potentially a missile that smashed into the Pentagon with evidence such as there were windows on the second floor and third floor that didn't even seem to have shattered in the impact. As well as people saying that the hole that has been made mimics that of a, a US missile. Right, and the, I think the fact that it's quite circular is yeah. one of the points people point to. So, so yeah, so going into this, investigating this, I just, I knew almost nothing about the crash into the Pentagon. I don't think I even recognized the pictures I saw of the crash. And that might just reflect the fact that we were quite young when this happened. But I think it doesn't get a lot of press and a lot of people who subscribe to these conspiracy theories point to the fact that people just don't know, unlike the the World Trade Centers, people just don't know the details of the Pentagon. And that can be for a few reasons, though. Yeah. And it's a very secretive building. Sure. But pictures, at least at the time, were published. But just if you ask people nowadays, my guess is people can't tell you much about what really happened there. No. Other than that they knew that there was another attack there. No. Yeah, the, the, 
It was one of the four planes yeah. that went down. Okay, so just going through these claims one by one, the first start that there actually was no plane whatsoever, um, I'm willing to give people, if you look at the footage, I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt here almost and say that the footage really is not conclusive. No, the footage is shocking. It's really bad. You see like what looks like, you know, maybe the, the, the I don't know what you call it, the dorsal fin of the plane kind of streaming into frame and then... A fraction of a second later, you see this explosion in the side of the Pentagon. Like, my, I really would expect to have seen something that more resembles a plane. Like, the camera's not that far away. No, and it's you, not that close. And you think this is a major military installation. There'd be mm. thousands of cameras at different angles of good quality. Mm. It isn't great footage. And then on to the suggestion that there's no photographic evidence of plane parts. This just doesn't seem to be true. So, Alan E. Kilsheimer was the first structural engineer to arrive at the Pentagon after the crash... And he helped coordinate the emergency response. And here's, here's a quote from him. So he says, It was absolutely a plane, and I'll tell you why. I saw the marks of the plane wing on the face of the building. I picked up parts of the plane with the airline markings on them. I held in my hand the tail section of the plane, and I found the black box. And in addition, he says things like he was holding uniforms of some of the the people on the plane. And towards the end of March, April this year, uh, the FBI did release pictures which really? I have, you can see here. Obviously, okay. you can't see. I'll post them on Facebook, but you can clearly see airline. So that's just pictures. just a month ago. And this was uh, April. Yeah, ago. this was a couple of months yeah. ago. They released these. Now people say, "Oh yeah," because they had months to Photoshop these. They had years to Photoshop these pictures. Look, look. To be fair, though, if I'm starting from the point where I think this whole thing is a bit sus, if in 2017 someone's posting pictures of the plane bits, like. That's not going to really do much to convince me either, but I'm willing to accept that that probably is true. What do conspiracy theorists say about the families of the victims? Well, so this is is the next point. So the plane, that there's a specific plane, so I think this was Flight 77, United Airlines disappeared. You know, it was not accounted for. The families of these people at least tell us that their families are dead. Shills. Paid shills. (laughs) And, and, you know, again, that's just... So you've said that a plane a plane didn't actually crash into it but you've gone through all the trouble of making this plane disappear and make it look as though it got hijacked like that just seems to be overkill um i I don't really understand it in addition to the fact that there are a number of eyewitnesses who were driving on the adjacent road to the pentagon and there was a gardener who was cutting the grass of the pentagon who said that they saw the plane yeah there's there's a numerous eyewitness reports which i would have believed that maybe there weren't eyewitness reports maybe no one noticed the plane even if it was there but are we now supposed to accept that these people are in on it as well? Look, the gardener, some journalist who was just driving along on the freeway, like, are we supposed to accept yeah. that as well? It really seems like a stretch to say there was no plane. Um, um, then on to the point of the hole not being wide enough. I've got a quote from uh, Meet Sozin, who's a professor of structural engineering at Purdue University. So that's someone who sounds like they've got actual applicable qualifications to be talking about this. They know what they're talking about. So he says... A crashing jet doesn't just punch out a cartoon-like outline of itself into a reinforced concrete building. And he one of his, he specializes in concrete. And this is a building that has been specifically designed to withstand right. attacks. It's got reinforced concrete. It's got... Yeah, so... so the, the details of, of what the Pentagon is built is, aren't public because it's a secret mm. because... It's so secure. Yeah, and, and, and he well goes built. and he goes into some details to why you didn't have the full 125 foot hole in it. So it says one wing was sheared off by the force of the impact, and then the small ring that was only 12 foot wide on the middle ring of the Pentagon. It was concluded that the jet's landing gear, not the fuselage, which is much wider than that, made that hole. 
Okay. Again, you know, someone who knows how a plane is likely to break. This is not something that happens that often. It's not something that people need to analyze, but that's what the official reports say. And I don't have any reason to doubt that. No. Um, you know, I, yeah. I feel a lot of the conspiracies we look at, and, and I think especially this one, it's quite easy to believe if you want to believe in the conspiracy. If you don't want to listen to evidence, if you don't want to hear about people's families, if you don't want to hear about experts' opinions, it's very easy to ignore that and just dis- decide your opinion. I don't even think it's that you don't want to listen to it. It's that you decide your opinion first. You hear something that maybe fits in with your worldview, like the government doesn't care about us and the government is just in it for its own interests and then you latch on to any piece of evidence no matter how good the quality is that supports your theory yeah so people who are 9-11 truthers they list all kinds of evidence so they list experts they list engineers that say it's not real they talk about the fact the temperature at which jet fuel burns isn't high enough and this is all evidence so they're interested in evidence but I don't think they're necessarily doing an honest and thorough evaluation of the quality of the evidence. Yeah. And denying expert opinion as, mm. as oh, they're being paid by whoever's perpetrated this. Or... Right. And, yeah. and that's why you need to, when it comes to conspiracy theories, if you want to make sure that you're not buying into one, you need to really go back to the big picture and just genuinely talk about how difficult you think, given all the will in the world, how difficult you think this really would be to pull off. I really think that's the main point for almost every conspiracy theory is if you truly analyze how difficult it is, you can then use that to color the way you look at the entire theory. And in this case, it just seems like there would have been so much work going into this and so many people. Years of planning, of putting in explosives Mm. and Mm. paying off people and organizing and ensuring that the people who you wanted to be there were you know, there and people who you wanted to keep alive. You can find a thousand reasons why this was a why this was a government cover-up or... And should we just list a few of those? Yeah. Some of the possible motivations that the government or some other groups might have had in this. So, so one that I have is that it could increase military spending. So in the way that Pearl Harbor, when there was the attack on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese in World War II, led to America fully diving into and getting involved in World War II. This has led to an increase in military spending and involvement in, Wars. in, in war and conflict in the Middle East. Yeah, and then someone like the, the owner of Trade Center 7 getting a billion dollar insurance payout. But... Yeah, I'm willing to concede that there are probably people out there that are willing to let 3,000 people die so that they can make a billion dollars. You know, that, that seems that seems possible to me. Yeah. In on on the it's... on those pure facts of a billion dollars for three thousand people. And you don't have to stretch too hard because America did go to war mm. almost immediately after this and you know, Iraq was kind of a a war that has had huge implications and there was no weapons of mass destruction and the the yeah. intentions were a bit strange, but mm. it would be a stretch to say that this whole plan was coordinated yeah but and, and so just that and just reason. the reasons why you know on top of like military spending the oil in the middle east you know worth billions and trillions of dollars so there was a plan to get oil through uh, in Af- through afghanistan through a multi-billion dollar pipeline route that would bring oil and gas from the landlocked caspian region to the sea through afghanistan and pakistan and people were thinking that in response to these attacks and there was a very immediate and almost violent response by the u.s it would be more likely that they could establish that pipeline and get access to the billions of dollars worth of oil and gas. 
and a final point I had is just that it was carried out by the Mossad, the Israeli special intelligence unit, um, to garner support for Israel. And Jews weren't present at the time of the attack. They got a message yeah. to leave the buildings. and People point to all kinds of, of things. And there, there is an anti-Semitic uh, segment. There's many Jews that think that this might have been a an inside job. But there certainly is, in some areas of this movement, an anti-Semitic flavor to it. Yeah, this was done by people for Israeli interests. Yeah. Okay. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed talking about it. I think it's it's quite interesting because as far as conspiracies go, it's something that had happened in, in many of our lifetimes and something we all remember. I was not alive for the moon landings. I wasn't alive when Elvis died. JFK assassination. And and this is something that the ramifications of what happened are felt very much still to today. And it's, it's easy to forget. I mean, when I went onto YouTube and I was watching these videos again, it's like, I, I was almost like I was experiencing yeah, it's, it again. It's, it's, it's horrifying watching these videos again. It's a pretty scary thing to watch and mm. it's very emotional, mm. the, the people that it affected. It was a tragic, it was a really sad day. So we haven't touched on all the points that conspiracy theorists make there are a few different areas especially maybe looking at like flight 93 as well and people suggesting that there's some aspects of that story that point to uh, this being an inside job but we think we've touched on the main points of the conspiracies that maybe point to the fact that this might be an inside job at the end of the day neither of us seem to think no um that it's at all feasible that that's true no despite the fact that maybe you have some sympathy for the potential benefactors of this happening. I'm sure people in the arms trade did benefit from this, from yeah. it, and people in the military did get promotions. And a war did occur because of this. And, and war America, is always in someone's interest. America did get access to oil in the Middle East as, as a result of this. Mm. But to say that this was America would kill 3,000 of their own citizens and... And be able to pull it off. <laughs> just seems like a stretch. Yeah, it's, it seems a stretch. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us once again. Hopefully we'll be back a bit sooner next time. Yep. I promise. Pinky promise. <laughs> well, Pinky, Gid and I are both pinky, pinky promising, promising right now. You can't see it, but it's beautiful. We will be back sometime soon. In the meantime, you can find information about us on our Facebook page, which is Willing to Conspire. Uh, you can contact us at our email at willingtoconspire at gmail.com. And I believe we have a Twitter account still at willingconspire. Willing Yep, you can find us there. Always, you know, uh, rate us on iTunes, uh, chuck us a follow on SoundCloud or wherever it is you listen to us. And as always, it's been a pleasure. And till next time.